welcome to another edition, episode number 36 of the Lab Epstein Hitting Podcast. Happy New Year, everybody. And, uh, it's good to be here. Yeah, we made it through a whole eight months, and now we're starting a new year of episodes. And I'm Jim, of course. And alongside me, or actually on the computer, across from me, digitally, is my friend, co-host, former coach, professional evaluator, successful business owner, men- owner mentor, or older too, mentor, and uh, did I miss anything? Jake Epstein. Good afternoon, Jake. I, I, I one, hell, one hell of a model American. Yes. Yes. That, and he's wearing his Texas A&M shirt. Not, not his Mizzou shirt today. How'd Mizzou do in their uh, bowl? I can't believe you, you would sell me out like that. I am down in Texas. So well, I gotta well, be, I'm, I'm an Aggie fan down here. Got to be an Aggie fan down here. Uh, Mizzou got COVID. So they didn't go to the bowl. They canceled yeah. the bowl. That's, it was uh, going to be a really good game, too. It was, it was going to be against Iowa, and I was mm-hmm. all fired up because they haven't played Iowa in years. In fact, I think that was like the last bowl game I went to in San Diego. For some reason, I think they played Iowa or somebody. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, I was all excited. Like, that's a really good game. Iowa had a good team. Mizzou is, you know, decent. And then Mizzou, just as soon as the season ended, I think everybody must have uh, been gone to a party and got COVID. So. I was watching the yeah. – uh, which bowl was it yesterday? Auburn and Northwestern. Yeah. Citrus bowl, maybe the Citrus Bowl. Maybe the Citrus Bowl, I think it was, in Orlando. And I, I heard this little factoid. Northwestern did not have any positive COVID tests this year. Amazing. That's just good coaching. Good coaching. Good right? job by Northwestern. Good coaching and good kids that good, listen yeah. to their coach. Hey, let me ask you. Let me ask you. Of course, you. they may have been locked up. That's true too. Yeah, they may have been on a eight month quarantine. That's right. Um, I put this out on Twitter last night. My quarterback rankings currently: Justin Fields of Ohio State, number one, two A. You're looking at me. Maybe I'm maybe I'm catching you off balance with this question. That's okay. Two A, Trevor Lawrence of Clemson, and two B, Kyle Trask of Florida. Mm. Is, that, is that what do you think? The Trask play. And he did very bad in the bowl game that that Florida was yeah. terrible. Yeah, well, I know Florida had a lot of guys yeah. missing or whatever. Uh, how many times is, are you going to take a o- Ohio State quarterback to the NFL? Right. Well, Justin Fields though is like the real deal. A lot really, in the other, a lot better than Dwayne Haskins. A lot better. Mm-hmm. By the okay. way, I mean, all three of those guys are better than if you take all the NFL quarterbacks now, better than half the <laughs> NFL quarterbacks. That's what, That's what everybody says until they got to read an NFL defense. That's true. So Lawrence is number one and no one else is any good. That's that's my really? Fields was fantastic last night. Fields was. was fantastic. But you mean last you mean last you mean on Thursday night because this is record this is we're live here on yeah, 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 that's what I mean. Yeah, yeah. Right. What, what day was that? Yeah, Thursday that was night. Thursday night. Friday night. Friday night. Friday night. Friday night, yeah. yeah. There you go. No, he was <laughs> he was great, but Clemson's defense was like afraid to put an arm up. It's true. Like they, they were like afraid to get penalties all, all day long. So I, I'm not, you know, I think Fields was great, but he you know, until an Ohio State quarterback be, becomes a, a winning quarterback in the NFL, then I'm just going to say that they they have good coaching and they have good receivers. All right, we know that that Epp is not a fan of Ohio State quarterbacks. That's good to know. We God, finally figured my, that out. Episode I number hope, 36. I know you. Everyone was wanting. You know, they've been wondering about that. They've been wondering about that. If you if you and, think uh, Ohio now State they know. quarterbacks are good, now they know. Yeah. That. Now they know. Right. 
You, you know, know who I'm a fan of? Who? I'm a fan of I'm a fan of Wyoming quarterbacks. Josh Allen. <laughs> right. Yep. It's pretty good. Uh, uh, he's pretty good. I'm a, I'm a fan of that. It's now. I, I might be the only fan in Denver that's a fan of Mizzou quarterbacks. Well, they don't have any quarterbacks. Yeah. Well, yeah, Drew Locke. Yeah, he's not very good. Well, he's his first year. He's all right. He's his third year. I was just Chase about Dan- to- Chase was- Daniel's been in the league for like 10, 12 years. He's a solid backup. The best. Best one job of, in the world. One of the best backups yes. in the league right now. I was yeah. just about so to anyway, compliment I am you. excited. It was a great game. You know, that the Texas A&M North Carolina game was great on Saturday night, too. That was mm-hmm. – I, I hope everybody enjoyed watching that as much as I did. Do you remember what happened in that game? Yeah, it was a shootout. <laughs> <laughs> it was a shootout down was, in Florida. Uh, it was great. So one of our to... uh, one of my one of my guys that trains with me, his dad's uh, on the staff. You know, is one of the football yeah. coaches at A and M. So he was yeah. kid was all excited. But they, man, it's tough. Those, those coaches and players they're getting tested all the time, and it's not not like a bowl week. You know, where you spend a week down there and you get to do the cool activities. It's you fly in, you play, you fly out. And it's kind of a it's tough tough for the players. You know, it's not as rewarding yeah. as they used to be. Um, I was going to say that I was just about to compliment you on your football hot takes, which were very, very insightful. But then you threw that that Drew Locke comment at me, and mm-hmm. I might have to I take didn't it back. say it was great. I just happened to say that I'm a big fan. That's all. You're, but that's insinuating that you think he's great. No, I just I think he's going to be all right. He's, but he's in his he's third be. year, though. I mean, no, he's not. He played. He- he played like four games last year. He's going in, going in. I said he's going into his third. Oh, year. he's going into his third year next year. Yeah, he's in his second. The year. offensive line is just now starting to like be mm. decent. So I, I think next year we'll know. Let you me know ask what, you this. If we don't know next year, they'll have someone else. Let me ask you this then: Would you right now take Carson Wentz or Drew Locke on your Denver Bronco team? Which because it could be. Yeah, if they want to, well, they uh, want to pony up a lot of money, but take the money out of it. I'm just asking, just in general. Um, I I think I would take Locke. I think you know what you're going to get with Wentz. You don't know what Locke's going to be yet. I think this episode should just end right now. <laughs> we should just. I like Wentz next he's, week. He's tough, man. He's a tough, tough dude. He's a good but, quarterback. Yeah, I mean, he's, he, has he? Yeah. yeah. We've reached an impasse here. Yes. I'm not, I haven't given up on it. I haven't given up on uh, Carson Wentz. Yet. All right. Um, let's talk. Uh, do you want to talk hitting or you want to? Let's do some hitting. Do some hitting. We yeah. do have great new features coming up this year on the show. Uh, we're trying to expand the show in different ways. Um, and when those things are concrete, we will announce them to everybody and um, pass that information along. We have a new open that's not yet ready, which I mean, it's taken me like eight years to do, but we'll do We'll get there. Um, and we're going to continue updating the YouTube page as well. Um, the Lab Epstein Hitting Podcast page on YouTube with all clips and new episodes. We'll continue to update that. Hey, over the break, I was uh, perusing Twitter. Should be like one. That should be my New Year's resolution. Stay off Twitter. Mm-hmm. I want to talk about New Year's resolutions in a second, though. So I have a bone to pick there um, with people who set New Year's resolutions. Um, I saw this moron hitting guru on social media. I forget his name. Uh, and, and he was uh, criticizing players, uh, major leaguers like Chipper Jones, I think, maybe Freddie Freeman about 
and they're about their feels, you know, not their mechanics, but their feels and how it's how it's different. They and basically insinuating that they don't know what they're talking about. So um, we've talked about um, feel on this show before plenty of times previous episodes go back and, and listen to those episodes if you subscribe um can you just set this fucking idiot straight please and just kind of just tell it the way it is about about feel and real and how it all ties in together and how the feel doesn't always translate to exactly what a hitter is doing say in the batting cage or in the game it's a mental cue can you can you as a renowned hitting instructor my friend who i highly respect and multiple facets please decipher all this yes it's you can take oh there's so much argue argument or argumentative people you know uh, behind the computer but you know you have you have chipper jones and i've seen that clip and you have uh, freddie freeman and you have Albert Pujols and you have Mike Trout. You know, Mike Trout says, I try to hit choppers <laughs> in BP, like the first round of BP, like that. Whatever makes you do what you do, you know, and, and that's kind of the, the big thing is what is the ball doing? What is the finished product of the ball? Is it, you know, is it a ground ball? Is it a fly ball? Are we on plane? Are we going to hit for a high average? And then, what is it that we need to change about ourselves or about our swing in order to make that ball do what we want to do? So sometimes that's, Hey, I need to stay sharp and I need to stay down through the ball. Okay. Ted Williams was not that way. Ted Williams said, I, this is how I swing in games and this is how I swing off a tee. I'm going to swing up. If you watch Nelson Cruz hit off a tee or DJ LeMay, he hit off a tee. They take the knob to the ball, right? The knob goes down and forward. And that's what they feel because if they don't do that, for some reason, maybe the knob gets too high and they swing up too much in the game. So whatever it is, it is. It doesn't mean you have to do exactly what people say. You have to do what's best for you. And that's why, yeah. you know, we treat everybody with, you know, respect. And what are you trying to accomplish as a hitter? Okay, let's try this. So that's kind of how I am. I'm not somebody that's very forceful with players, you know, and maybe because I command some respect and people trust what I'm telling them, but I'll say, let's, what's the worst thing that can happen, right? Let's try this. So I had, um, you know, and I'm sure they'll, they'll listen to this on their way back to, you know, Louisiana, but uh, Bailey Hemphill and her dad, Mark, were here training today. And, you know, she's, she's awesome. Right. And she's a great kid and funny and a, amazing hitter i think on the hit tracks nobody hits home runs on the hit tracks. she hit like 30 today like <laughs> just effortless balls jump off her bat at the right launch angle sure. but we were working on hey try this hey, how does this feel okay and and i told her i said i want you to because sometimes she holds on to the knob a little bit too long and slices across balls so she was telling me she hits sometimes she'll hit a ball not very often but she'll hit a ball to left center mm -hmm. She's a right-handed hitter and it, it slices back to center, mm -hmm. you know? And she's like, why, why does that happen? So I'm like, okay, what does that happen? So I said, try to chop straight down and swing down. I mean, she tried to swing down as much as she possibly could. And her attack angle was still above 10 degrees up. Mm -hmm. Okay. So that's feel versus real. She felt like she was going straight down and she was still swinging up 10 degrees. Yeah. Okay. 
Now, if I told somebody there was a girl last night, because we, we, it was kind of like back-to-back softball today. There was a girl last night who lives here in town, and she's electric. She's 13 years old. She hits the ball 74 miles an hour or something crazy like that. But she swings down too much. And if I was to tell her, hey, do what Bailey, you know, I was trying to have Bailey to do swing down, there's no way she could do it. So what did I tell her? I need you to try to pull the knob straight up. And she couldn't swing up more than like three or four degrees. So yeah. everybody's yeah. different. Don't get into a pissing contest. You know, know what you're talking about. Don't right. Don't be combative. Yeah. Be a good be a good person that's trying to help players. Yeah. Um, and, and by helping players, if you're if you're disregarding what major leaguers do, then that's probably not a good idea. Right. I don't care if they don't know what they're talking about. They know how to do it. They know how to feel it. Mm-hmm. And they know how to make their body get into that position. Yeah. And, you know, people say all these things. Oh, well, uh, you know, Chipper Jones didn't swing down. He didn't. But when Chipper Jones was 10 years old, he probably swung down off the tee. Maybe that's what, you know, he was, maybe that's what turned him into a Hall of Famer. I don't know. Maybe swinging straight up is going to turn people into Hall of Famers later, later on. Right, right. Just know that each is their own. If it ain't working, change it. Right, That's the right. best thing I can say. If I what just you're don't understand. Work and change it. I don't understand though this how these perceived hitting coaches across the country, by the way, don't understand that feel is a big part of coaching somebody. You know, again, right. it goes back to trying to fit the somebody into a certain mold that they may not quite frankly fit into mentally. You know, and, and if they maybe- don't, if they can't fit into that mentally, they'll never, in my opinion, they'll never succeed. Yeah. And maybe they don't have feels, right? You know, athletes, athletes have feel. Yeah. Right. I have a feel when I play golf, mm-hmm. I have a bad feel when I try to shoot baskets, you know, <laughs> but I, I have a, I have a feel for what my body is doing and how to make my body do different things. Some people call that emulation as feel, mm-hmm. which Ted Williams told my dad that the best way to um, become a great hitter is to watch the great hitters and watch them prepare and watch them swing and, and in time, by looking at them enough, your body will, you know, start to do that. What, you know, whether or not that's, that's true. That's how guys used to do it before video. Well, maybe you have people that, you know, that don't know what that feel is. You know, I train a lot of instructors how to teach and a lot of them didn't play. You right. know, a lot of them sure, maybe sure. were basketball, but I, I give them a blueprint to teach. But do those guys have those feels that I have, you know, from using a wooden bat? You know, or right, playing right, at a right. high level. I don't know if they have those feels. It doesn't make them a bad instructor, but they might not have those feels. Well, maybe these guys don't understand kind of what, you know, the big leaguers felt because that's how they learned. Nobody sure, really sure. taught them, you know, the nuts and bolts of the swing. So I don't know. Maybe it's flattery. Maybe it's ego. Maybe it's I want to, you know, posture stupidity on the internet <laughs> yeah maybe i want to you know yeah. I, I don't know what it is but i don't know i think maybe i'm bad at social media i am because i don't i'm, I'm not mean to people and I, right. i'm not an idiot and i'm not you good know, at I try either, to just so don't worry about it and so but i think maybe if if i was then i would have you know twenty thousand followers you know right. instead of five or four or whatever maybe i have 15 i don't, I don't right. know hey, so the show has gotten I, you more I, followers <laughs> over eight folks well the show is fantastic so yeah anyway <laughs> yeah feel feel is huge and so are mechanics so put them together yeah. and be a good human and help players that's your it, job you know what else i i don't dislike? hurt players you know what else i dislike by the way um new year's resolutions 
right? Because mm-hmm. they're they're so. I mean, I don't know if you set any. I don't. I set smaller yeah. goals throughout the year that I mm-hmm. want to accomplish. But I think having New Year's, like, think about it. You want a New Year's resolution to be, I'm going to eat healthier. Well, even the mm-hmm. even myself, who's the healthiest eater that I know, yeah. even that, even I can't hold that up for an entire year. Right. But I know that my diet, my base is there. It's good diet. I hate that word, by the way. Right. My food plan, my meal plan is where it needs to be. So I'm okay. But I mean, I think New Year's resolutions are absolutely a, a waste of time. Now, let me segue that, though, to hitters and their New Year's resolutions. What's a good, proper New Year's resolution or resolutions or smaller goals that a hitter can implement throughout the year that can help them get to where they need to be? Don't go on hitting Twitter. Mm-hmm. There's one. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Don't fill your head with 38 different thoughts. Listen to the uh, Lab Epstein hitting podcast. That's, that's, number that's two. all you need. That's yes. all you need. That's all you need. Yeah. No, I would say, you know, find out. It depends on the level. But I would say, you know, if you're an older older player, you know, you're a more advanced player, college player, high school, uh, high school college, professional player. Learn how to relax. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's a great resolution. Like, learn how to combat stress. Learn how mm-hmm. to, you know, s- center yourself in, in the moment. And, and don't let those moments get too big, which is so sure. difficult. Because yeah. there are so many players with great swings and great mechanics. And as soon as the lights come on, you know, they're stressed. Like, I saw the Notre Dame quarterback the other day. Mm-hmm. Uh, who are they playing? They were playing uh, yesterday. They were playing Alabama, um, right? Yeah, right. No, no, no. It was it was like three or four days ago. Right. Sorry. Excuse three, me. Three or four days ago, they were. <laughs> and and I, I watched his first drive, right? And he was, he looked at him, and he looked. He was the moment was too big for him. Right. And there were no fans. Like the moment was too big, and there's nobody in the stands. So I looked at him, and then I watched the Alabama quarterback that was just like ho hum, and he just hit his marks. You know, four or five straight passes in a row. And it took the, the, the Notre Dame guy, who was a great athlete, right? He's a sure, sure. great, great player and all that. But the, the moment was a little big for him early, and you could tell he was rushed. Well, as, as hitters, you know, we can't do that. We can't, we can't let that moment, we can't let that pitcher get away with that. We can't let them get too big. So, you know, having create a, create a plan, a breathing plan, a, a mental plan, how to, how to prepare for games, right? I'm going to prepare for games. Maybe it is as simple as, you know, making sure we wake up early and we have a good breakfast. Maybe we get our bodies loose and we get our bodies ready for competition. We get our mind right before the game Mm -hmm. with breathing exercises. I think anyone can be better at that as a resolution. And that sometimes will take us further than any kind of swing change that may be out there. Yeah. Something that's attainable. I mean, you know, people yeah. tend to tend to set these crazy goals and all yeah, facets I'm hit of 10 life. Home runs this year, right? And it's like, just yeah. right. It's not. It's not plausible. It's just work not... on your work on your process because I exactly I believe that as players and big leaguers become big leaguers that are in the league for more than five years and not just yeah. two or three years, it's guys that have routines that they stick to. And it's yeah. guys that know how to manage their life like it's a job. And I think if you can start to do that before you get to college, yeah. it makes that college environment much better too. Because all of a sudden you got to study, you got to practice, you got to eat, yeah. you got to do tutoring, you know, and then it's yeah. like, oh my gosh, I got to get on a bus. I'm going to miss this test. You have to be accountable. So, you know, create that foundation in that, in that schedule and, and yeah. getting everything right for your game. And I think that will pay really big dividends. 
Well, good stuff. Good start to the episode here. Don't forget to like and subscribe to the podcast for new episodes every Monday morning at 9 a.m. Eastern time. The show available, of course, on Apple, Google, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, and the app Pandora, and our YouTube page is up and running, the Lab Epstein Hitting Podcast for archived episodes and clips. And be sure to follow us on social media as well. I'm at Jim Tara. Ep is at Epstein Hitting on both Twitter and Instagram. And be sure to email us your questions, jimbopodcast21 at gmail.com. And just a quick reminder, if you do go back in the archives and listen to our Mechanical Breakdown series episodes, you want to follow along the analysis, it's very easy. Just go to the Epstein Hitting Facebook page. Episode number 36 today, uh, we're talking uh, about a breakdown. We're breaking down KVEST. Uh, it's our Player Development Series, Volume 7. Uh, episode number 36 of the fastest growing hitting podcast on the market. By the way, do you like my background? I'm completely like in the dark here. Yeah. Yeah. The light, that's the light from my computer. It's like the Joe Rogan show right now I'm on. I know. Right. You're right. I just need a little bit of red on the side. Yeah. Yeah. Um, That's not that, by the way, it's not by design. I just don't have any lights on where I am. (laughs) And the only light that's on is the one that I'm staring at into the camera right now. On our Zoom call, it's it's early in the morning on Monday, and this it's you know so four a.m. Yep, right. Um, all right, so let's get into uh, volume seven of our player development series here. Our KVS discussion. The last time we did uh, a volume of this series, we broke down how a hitter understands their movement using uh, KVS. Of course, that's a key component to that. Uh, how easy? I know you use it, and you and I have talked about it and used it before. How do you go about? Um, helping a player understand their movement better based off the data that KVEST is spitting out. Yeah, KVEST is pretty cool. It's um, and there's other other you know, different packages and and biokinetic sequencing type softwares or kinematic mm-hmm. sequencing uh, softwares and hardwares. Uh, sure. So we use uh, KVEST and um, as well as another system that allows us to track what the body's doing and when it's doing it. So they're, they're pretty cool. Essentially what we're doing is we're, we're figuring out what part of the body is moving when, what part of the body is reaching maximum speed and when, and also, you know, what kind of bends or tilts that our, our body creates. So, you know, kinematic sequencing, which we've talked about before, is essentially, you know, starting with a stride or dropping our front heel, initiating ground force, initiating our lower half, and then transferring that energy through our entire body to the end of the bat. Like that is the end of the kinematic sequence is the end of the bat. And the beginning is our feet. So in order to do that, we have to, you know, start building energy with the stride. And then we have to make sure that we rotate correctly, that our hips go first, and then our upper body goes second, and then our, our, our torso goes second, and then our arms go third, and then the hands fourth, bat fifth, so on and so forth. So what we can see with different players is, you know, are they swinging before they're rotating, essentially, is what the big problem that comes in. And very common with young players. They can see it. We can tell them, but they don't see it until they see a printout, right? Or and Latin-born, Latin American-born players too, correct? Uh, yes, but no, I, I actually, they are better. So they, okay. are, they are better. They, they tend okay. to get their foot down before their hands start to go forward. Um, and I don't know if that's that a wood sense. bat thing, a, a T thing. So 
the biggest issue that young kids have is that their arms start to go before their front foot lands. And anytime that happens, you don't rotate. You can't rotate your shoulders much if your foot's not on the ground. So if the arms start to go or the hands start to go, they start to swing before their body gets into position to swing. What happens is the hands drop, it creates bat drag and it creates casting. So getting them to, you know, feel like they're not even using their arms sometimes. So talk about feel versus real. I had a kid the other day that wasn't allowed to move his hands from his body. He just had to step and turn. And as soon as we did that, his issue went away. It was the most amazing thing I had ever seen in my life. And I've used this cue before, but all of a sudden he, he had this weird funky move where his hands were so high and he would swing down so much and cut across the ball down and left that when we did this, all of a sudden it was like, Hey, welcome back. Like he could do it. And what I was trying to get him to do was turn his hands instead of thinking about using his hands. So, you know, changing his kinematic sequence paid huge dividends. Now, People also think, oh, if you create it, it gives you something called an X factor stretch, which is, <clears throat> pardon me, it's, it's the separation of your torsos, your upper body and lower body. And, you know, some people have a lot and some people have a little, but it's not the end all. So what a lot of people think is I got to get 40 degrees of torque. I got to get 40 degrees of X factor. When you look at some players and they're 40 degrees, like uh, Donaldson's 40 degrees, Betts right. is 40 degrees. Right. But then you look at other guys like Correa or Acuna that are like 30 degrees. And so what I've found is by, you know, and, and, and again, people can run their own tests, but, you know, I run the tests with that and blast motion and hit track. So I'm seeing, does the back hit faster? Does the ball get faster? if we increase our, our torque or change our sequencing and it's not a ton, you know? So yeah. sometimes we can use this information too much and stress about it too much. And then kids forget to like swing the bat and hit the ball. But yeah. I changed somebody's kinematic sequence to the proper way, you know, essentially right. what the book says and created more separation and their bats average bat speed went up a half a mile an hour. So right which is great. I was able to do that in one session, but I wouldn't spend two weeks trying to change this because I don't think it's going to make a, I don't think it's going to, you know, make a average player great. Yeah. More than having good mechanics and making sure they find barrels. Sometimes that's more important. So there's a couple of avenues I can go. Here. Let me just, let me just go. This is kind of a segue, but, but mm -hmm. I'll get to my other question in a second. So when you and I worked together uh, with the K vest and we talked about it and the abundance of times on the show that we've discussed it and I've looked at it. And the first thing I thought was, wow, you know, if I was still playing, okay. And I was struggling, I wouldn't want to go anywhere near this. That's what I'm, I'm thinking. And um, I mean, I would let somebody try to decipher for me, you know, or I'll just, what it means, or I'll just stay away until I get my head right. So how could a hitter use K-Vest slash, it's called K-Motion too, but whatever, K-Vest uh -huh. um, when they're struggling? And furthermore, how can they properly use that coach who is testing them with the K-Vest and putting in all the data and deciphering it when that hitter is down and out that can help them maybe get out of that slump? Well, I think more than anything else, if a hitter's in a slump, it, it could be that their hands are starting early. Usually I can mm -hmm. see that on video, but maybe you put the K vest on and you say, oh, that's what it is. It says so right here, right? Yeah. All, instead of your 
your hips turning first, we're starting to see your hands, you know, start to accelerate first, or maybe your, your shoulders reach uh, maximum acceleration before your hips, right? Like, whoa, we got a big, we got a big problem here. And then maybe it's like, okay, there's the issue. Now we know why you're struggling. You know, it's not that this, that, and the other. It's, oh, that's what it is. Let's work on keeping our hands back. Let's work on keeping our shoulders back. So sometimes you can use that as a, hey, here's the, here's the issue, right? Now let's go ahead and, and address that with maybe some certain drills or maybe some, more importantly, some certain feels yeah. would probably be the, you know, the way that you would attack yeah. that at a high level. But you wouldn't want to say, okay, we got to reach these certain metrics in the middle of a season if you had a draft. Right. Or if if you were in a slump, you know, we have to, we have to make sure our torque angle is here. We have to make sure that our speed gain is here. We have to make sure we're decelerating here. So I think the K vest is really good, you know, for an off season that says, wow, you create a lot of speed, but you can't control that speed. Cause a lot of times the way we increase speed is we have to decelerate that piece before. So if we want our arms to accelerate fast, our torso has to decelerate fast. Mm-hmm. to transfer that energy to the arm. So sometimes you have players that are so lanky and loose and flexible that they just keep turning. They don't know how to decelerate. So then you put them on a, you know, a, a fitness regimen, right. Or a strength regimen to help stabilize the lower back or the glutes so that they can decelerate, you know, with, with as much stability as they can. And then all of a sudden, maybe we'll be able to accelerate the bat head. But that would never be something that I would entertain in the middle of a season, yeah. you know, if if a player was struggling. Okay, so right. the only time I would use a K-Vest was to see if, you know, all of a, something looks really out of whack with their sequencing. Maybe their hands are moving too soon. But if it's usually that bad, it's something you can see on video, too. Right. Um, I know the answer to this, but just for context, what is the, when you say deceleration, what exactly uh-huh. do you mean by that? And what does that reading on the KVS mean? Yeah. So if you look at the KVS readings, you see, uh, you see, uh, a, a graph that goes up and a graph that goes down. So it creates peaks like mountains and the sure. sharper those peaks, the better. So not necessarily, I mean, it's good if it goes up high because that, that means you're creating more speed, but it's how quickly that speed goes down. Okay. So when you're looking at a KVS reading, as that speed is climbing, say with the with the arm, the lead arm, if it reaches the peak and then slowly like plateaus and flattens out and, and doesn't go straight down, then the energy never gets to the hand. Okay. So you have to have that lead arm decelerate quickly in order to accelerate the hand through. And that's really how you maximize the kinetic chain. Yeah, that's that's how you transfer energy. But in doing that, there's just a ton of risk. You know, there's risk of flipping your wrists over. And when you flip the wrists over, well, I'm really happy that your bat was moving fast, but it wasn't moving the right direction. And if it doesn't move the right direction, guess what? You made it out. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. you know, the K-Vest is, is for, uh, you know, in, in my opinion and, and how I've seen it used, it's for building speed. It's for building bat speed. It's for gaining more momentum with your body. It's for building energy. To me, it has, I mean, you can talk about different side bends, but guys, you know, I'm, I'm not a big 
side bend, making guys side bend. I feel like they do it depending on the pitch naturally, but I could be wrong right. there. Mm-hmm. But I don't use that. I, I don't feel like the K vest is for uh, consistency. I don't think that's going to make you make more contact, mm-hmm. but it's not a swing plane issue. It's a I'm getting the most out of my body um, device. Yeah. What do you think, Ted Williams? Uh, this is the other question I want to ask. What do you think he would have done with something like K vest if he was still around and coaching? Do you think he would just would have shrugged it off or do you think? No, he, he would have geeked out with it. Yeah, I'm that's sure what I thought too. That's exactly what I thought. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, he had such a brain for that. He was such a bright guy. Yeah. And he loved the science behind it. He absolutely would have been the first one in line trying to break it. You know, he, he would have been, how can I break this thing? You know, let's try this. Let's try this. I'm going to yeah. try this. Tell me what it says. I, mm-hmm. I think that's kind of where he would have gone with it. Yeah. So he would have been open to all this new technology. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. He was, well, he was ahead of his time. He was, yeah, ahead he, of the was. Curve. he was, he was cutting edge. So I'm, I'm not surprised that, that you'd say that. Uh, yeah. Jake does have a K vest at the lab, correct? I mean, you have that at the lab and, and, yep, my, and well. we have my, my swing as well, which is actually a 16 sensor system. Mm-hmm. Um, so the K vest is four. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> the my swing is, is uh, really cool. Um, mm-hmm. It's, it's 16 <laughs> sensors yeah. and you can do all kinds of different readings and, and, uh, you can do it. It puts you into this like full person avatar where you can zoom around in, in 3D and look from above and below and the side, and you can see what your knees are doing. And it's really a cool thing. It, it's a process. When we do it, we do, you know, that would be a full swing assessment, which we do that. It's like a two hour session yeah. in order to use all of that technology. But, um, yeah, we, we use the K vest is really good for a report. You know, it spits out a report, which quite honestly, the layperson isn't going to know what the heck's going on. So yeah. it has to be, you know, somebody has to know, you know, have good experience with it. And then the, the my swing uh, doesn't have the report, but it has the, the video and the graph of, you know, what your what your body's doing. So we can really get in there and see if there's any kind of weird just because there's so many sensors. Are you doing something weird with your excuse me, forearms or elbows or mm-hmm. your knee and shin if there's something kind of wonky going on. Well, I and again, you could see that by visiting the lab in uh, College Station, Texas. If you can't make it to College Station, Texas, though, there's something called the Epstein Online Hitting Academy, which I love. And someday I'm sure my kids are going to use it. Not not just, but they're also going to see you in person. But they're going to they use will. the Epstein Online Hitting Academy as well. Anything yeah. new going on with the, in the new year with the Epstein Online Hitting Academy? You know, it's so cool. Like the the online academy, I get to meet so many neat people. I have a. I hope you're listening. I have a player back east, and his last name is Dimaggio. Perfect. And he's like nine years old, and he's such a little stud. And I get all these videos, like he's in his basement working on his drills, and sometimes outside. So I get to meet so many cool people with that. And. You know, for instance, Bailey started out with the online academy. We were talking about it, you know, today. And then, you know, I was able to see, I see her in person every Christmas. So this isn't anything new. It's like 12 years running. Um, I had a player today that had no idea I was had the lab in College Station. And we've been working online. He's a Baylor commit. Uh, he's from the Woodlands, Texas. This kid can move it. And he's only a sophomore in high school. And he was like, are you kidding me? Like, you're in College Station? And so, you know, I got to see him in person, too. So 
The online academy is fantastic. It's, it's, it's my way of, you know, being able to share knowledge and help players all over with video and out. You know, you upload a video, I review it personally, and then I give you drills to work on that will address issues that I see. And then the players that don't have mechanical issues, they send me game swings and we talk about timing and rhythm and pitches to look for. So it's a really cool service and I, I definitely, you know, I've been doing it for six years now, and I would I would highly recommend it for anybody out there that has, you know, whether they're young kids just starting, that's probably the most important, or kids that are in high school and college that just want to stay sharp. Yeah, so be sure to log on to the lab to EpsteinHitting.com and click on the online hitting tab. Again, that is EpsteinHitting.com and the online hitting tab. By the way, is Bailey, uh, is she a listener of the show? I mean, we've mentioned her many times on this program. On this program. Yeah, they'll, yep. And I always have to make jokes because Alabama mm-hmm. is so good in football and they played Missouri early the first game of the season. So, yes, I'm sure they will listen to this podcast on their drive home. I hope so. On the, on the Apple CarPlay. That's right. Absolutely. In fact, I'm going to be listening because I have a pretty long drive ahead of me as well here in the next few days. So I'll be listening to make sure that I don't sound terrible. Yes, on the podcast i don't use poor grammar maybe i use different things i make fun of my kids like saying like i i say like do you you know what i, I say though you know my liter- cru- literally too many literallys we my crutch word my though household. my crutch word is right i say right a lot hmm yeah it's a tough crutch yeah that's a tough one i'll bust you out i'm gonna look at you every time you say yeah it. now 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 you're gonna be looking out for it episode 36 player development series volume seven breakdown of uh, k vest here getting back to the topic one thing that with k motion slash k vest is that it can create it's it says it i mean i, I did my research on it i've used it before it you can create programs, coaching programs around KVEST. As much as you can tell me now, because I know there's some things you can't reveal because, you know, business purposes and whatnot. Um, how, are, how do you develop, go about developing programs for your players, if at all, based around the K-Motion and KVEST? Yeah, we can use, so it has a teaching portion of it where you can put the sensors on and you can, Uh, you know, give ranges. I want your hips to be in this range. I want your arms to be in this range or your hands. And that is a really cool feature because you can set a player up and it gives them audibles if they do something right or if they do something wrong. So a lot of times we'll do when we have players that uh, their front shoulder lifts too soon. You know, they open their front shoulder too soon. What we'll do is we'll put the upper body and the lower body sensors on and we'll have them stride to the launch position and make sure that their chest is back. And if they do it right, it gives them, you know, a a nice tone. Oh, that was lovely. And it turns like green, you know, good job. And if they do it wrong, it turns red. So a lot of times that's really good work. Sometimes we can just give it to the kid, go do this at home. You know, you don't have to do it here. Just do it at home, get a hundred reps in, take you three minutes, you know, every night and just to reposition your body. So that's something that we, we like to do is, is, and that creates feel, you know, again, we're kind of going back to that feel. What does it feel like when your front shoulder is in the right position? Oh, it feels like it's here. Okay. I want you to feel that when I go to throw to you. Okay. That makes yeah, sense. Sure. And then we can start to build that muscle memory the right way based on maybe a feel we had with sensors, you know, on the player 10 minutes earlier. Yeah. Uh, how about, uh, so when you're reading the, the, the numbers, 
that that's spitting out. Mm-hmm. How does that give you an instant understanding of how a player moves and creates their power, but can also reach their full potential, especially that that power that they might be looking for? A lot of times, you know, there's something on there called a speed gain. Mm-hmm. And the speed gain is <clears throat> probably the most important part for 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 kinetic or kinematic sequencing maximization. So mm-hmm. if if the speed gain isn't a lot, then what happens is we're probably not decelerating fast enough with with that previous body part. Okay. And so when we see that, it's like, okay, we need to get with a strength coach and find a way to build those muscles around your core to be able to stabilize how fast you're moving. Because sometimes I have kids that are 12, 13 years old that rotate mm-hmm. too fast. They turn too yeah. fast for their, they, they rotate in faster than pros do because mm-hmm. they're so wiry and there's not much to them. They're narrow, you know, so it doesn't travel and they're out of control essentially mm-hmm. is what happened. And when it gets out of control, then all of a sudden there's no kinematic sequencing. Mm-hmm. So knowing, you know, knowing what those numbers are per player and being able to have a large sample because everyone's different. Everybody's anatomy is different. Everybody fires differently. You know, how can we find maybe some missing links in, in certain players? We have a player here <clears throat> that's a really good athlete. And he's 165 pounds. And his bat speed is higher than, like, anyone. And he hits mm-hmm. the ball harder than anyone. Mm-hmm. And he's 16 years old, you know. And mm-hmm. we have players much bigger and stronger. Why is that? I mean, his numbers, you put the KVS, he looks like other people. Like what, what does he do? You know, some people just have faster twitch muscles. Yeah. They're different. Pe- We've talked about that before. People, some people are just electric. Yeah. And I think sometimes we use technology too much mm-hmm. and then we get frustrated. Like, Oh, this kid can't do it. Instead <laughs> yeah. of just letting that kid play, you know, so you have to, you do have to be careful with this kind of technology because you'll get lost. You know, is it sure. better to sit here and do this with this kid for an hour or is it better to get him to find a barrel doing, you know, some some drills or working on his um, working on his rhythm and timing? So you have to weigh everything to be a good coach. You know, what is what is the most important thing for this player? Is it, you know, getting faster and stronger with his bat? Maybe. Is it balance? Sure. Is it rhythm and timing? Because sometimes I'm like, well, this guy's got good bat speed, but good night. His bat's not in the zone very long. Okay, now we got to work on swing plane. Okay, the swing plane looks good. Now he swings way too late. So now we got to work on rhythm and timing. So there's so many different variables that go into making a great hitter. You have, as an instructor, have to find the right formula of mm-hmm. what to work on first. Is it rhythm and timing? Maybe that's yeah. all it is. Maybe it's mechanics. Maybe it's something with the KVS. Maybe it's getting in the gym. I'm not, you know, we don't know until we see the player and spend time with them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, great episode um, this week. Did I miss anything on KVS, by the way? Anything we failed to touch on? No, but I did tell, I had my college guys in this, this week and I, I told Marcus Brown, uh, Marcus Brown, who goes to uh, Oklahoma state. He listens to it. He listens to the podcast, so I said I'd throw him a shout-out. And oh, the okay. shout-out I'm going to give him was we, we cranked up the machine the last day, and it's nasty. The, 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 the 
this uh, hack attack is, is filthy, right? It throws, you know, 80, whatever, 88, 92 mile an hour pitches. Some of them break up to four inches in. Some of them break to four inches out, depending on how it catches a seam. So just Mariana Rivera and Kevin Brown in the same pitcher throwing sinkers and slides, sinkers and cuts. Oh, you put Kevin Brown in there, huh? Ooh. I love, I love Ooh. Kevin Brown. <clears throat> Boy, was he good. Anyway. So we're doing it and we were doing like uh, 60 pitches. Mm-hmm. You know, how can you do it? So most people in 60 pitches, look, we know it's coming, but it's game speed and it's sure. more than game speed. It's nastier than anything they're going to face in a game. Mm-hmm. It's throwing within the strike zone. Mm-hmm. You know, it'll miss the strike zone once in a while. And it's all right. Anyway, he, most people are going to be like three, like good hitters, 320 to 360 is their batting average. Mm-hmm. And maybe 500 is slugging mm-hmm. on these pitches. Okay. Cause everything's moving, nothing straight that comes out of the machine. He was like 775 or 776 with his average and over a thousand with his slugging. It was the wow. most impressive set of 50 swings I had ever seen. And I don't think I told him that yeah. at the time. But I have never seen anybody, and it was outside, boom, he'd shoot it over the – he's left-handed. He'd shoot it over the shortstop's head. And -hmm. if it was inside, he was able to pull it. So I want to give him props for that. And I also want to give him props to his coaching staff because I've known Marcus. Marcus was an online guy in the beginning. There you go. Yeah. Right? That's where it started. And then, you know, he came to Denver, and now he's come to the lab a couple times. But he – we've always worked on him. You know, he had a little barrel drop. He's a middle infielder. And he, he's left-handed. He runs pretty good. We've been trying to keep his barrel drop, flatten out his swing. Mm-hmm. And he has a pretty good coaching staff there at um, Oklahoma State, one of those uh, persons being Matt Holiday, and the other hitting coach being Robin Ventura. How about that? For wow, how about that? Staff? And Josh Holiday is the head coach. Sure. But can you imagine? He's got a big league manager. Yeah. And a big league <laughs> has yeah. their, call, their volunteer coaches. <laughs> yeah. Anyway they have really forced him. And what he said was to use my hands more to stay balanced, more to stay centered, more not to lean back as much. And he said, every day we're hitting off of like 90 mile an hour machines. And yeah. he said, the freshman failed, failed, failed. He's like, and I forced myself to hit that thing. And after he took three swings, I hadn't seen him in a year. They were here last year at this time. Mm-hmm. I was like, that's noticeably different. So yeah. I'm telling you, when you look at all the stuff on the internet and you see all the different things, does it work at a division one level? Like if you went into that environment that Marcus went into where every day you're hitting off 90 plus mile an hour machines, mm-hmm. would your snap it barrel drop PVC pipe, you know, risk getting out, trying to get on plane deep in the zone. Will that swing work off of that velocity and a, yeah. And an incoming pitch trajectory of four to six degrees. Ask yourself, maybe it will, right? Who knows? Right. Good, good for you. Like, I don't know. My, it, it, it totally could, mm-hmm. but I've found that it, it's very hard. Like you have to have a very certain, and, and that is why you hear people like Jipper Jones and the paper, like Mike Trout or a rather saying, I'm trying to swing down. It's because they're trying to hit 94 to 95 that's yeah. only dropping a couple degrees and if your swing is more than 10 degrees up and it's only 10 degrees up for like four inches then you are going to struggle so yeah. sorry about that rant i just wanted oh. to give a heads up to marcus and say how proud i was and then my other players were great too especially nolan who had a mustache and a mullet that was mm-hmm. awesome i got to see him he's from florida 
And of he took so many, took so many <laughs> swings. He doesn't know when to say no. It was four days. He probably took four to 500 swings per day. Yeah. He collapsed the barrel, the sweet spot of his Rawlings bat. It was awesome. Wow. Right in the barrel where he'd been hitting the barrel. It just caved in. Yeah. Broken half. It was awesome. Anyway, that's all I have. To so say. it didn't, so it didn't, um, it didn't splinter or shard. It, 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 it kind of collapsed in yeah and then wow he broke it so it looked cool yeah it was really cool yeah. like, well, there, like, hey, well you know what barrels yeah well there you go marcus and nolan they're your shout outs don't ever ask yeah. us again no, no, <laughs> i'm just kidding i'm kidding we do appreciate the uh, we do appreciate our art is nolan in college as well or uh, yeah nolan's it? going to he went to santa fe junior college in north florida Okay. Um, which is killer. They're, they're awesome. And then yeah. he's going to Olivier Nazarene outside of Chicago in a couple okay. weeks. So we'll, we'll follow him. To, yeah. Congrats to yeah. Nolan Marcus. Best of luck to uh, at Oklahoma state. Yep. Uh, and thank you guys for listening. We do. We do really appreciate our younger listeners. Not that we don't appreciate our older ones. We do, um, but we appreciate our college listeners as well, because there's some, some really great stuff in every episode that we that we do here every week. Um, so don't forget to like and subscribe to the podcast again for new episodes every Monday at 9 a.m. Eastern time. The show available, of course, on Apple, Google, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, the app, and uh, Pandora. And our YouTube page is up and running, the Lab Epstein Hitting Podcast for archived episodes and clips. And be sure to follow Ep and I on Twitter and Instagram at Jim Tara at Epstein Hitting. And uh, if you have any questions, please pass them along. Jimbo Podcast 21 at Gmail. Com. Next week, we will be discussing wood and aluminum bats. That was a topic we were going to talk about last year, um, I think around November, but for whatever reason, it got pushed back, and we are doing it next week. We've got a bunch of episodes coming up here in January that are uh, very, very enticing. Off-season hitter meetings, January 18th. We'll discuss that, dissect what goes into those, and then we'll do uh, our mechanical breakdown series to wrap up January. That'll be on January 25th. But next week, and you're excited about this one, too, we're talking about wood and aluminum bats. Yeah, you know, and, and we used to talk about that a long time ago when the aluminum bats were so high powered and ultralight. You know, now they're not. Now they're yep. they're dumbed down and they're drop threes. And um, we'll talk about the kind of the different bats. And, and as a youth player, you know, using drop tens and drop twelves and how uh, how bad that actually is to trying to be successful, you know, at a young age, because they're so light and they're so uh, there's no density to them and the ball moves the bat most of the time. And so how beneficial it is to, to get a wood bat in a young player's hand so they can actually have some density and hit through baseballs. And we'll talk about that next week. Thanks for listening. Be sure to like, and subscribe, and we'll talk to you then. Take care. <laughs>